Greetings, you have reached The Spiritual Frequency, a podcast about magic, metaphysics, and mysticism in the modern world. You have here with you co-host Dana Jean Walter of the Sonic Priestess, the Shisha Den Campathina, and my lovely cohort, Miss Tangi Casti of the Grown-Assed Witch. Hiya! Hiya! We just did that cricket thing. I hate those commercials. <laughs> Hi! Hi! <laughs> <laughs> so Mercury has just left the building, ladies and gentlemen. We have a week of shadow and then we are free. It's cool. I will be happy when my boyfriend starts acting right again. So yes. <laughs> And for those of you who don't know, Mercury is my boyfriend. My boyfriend's back and he's gonna be in shadow. Which obviously uh he does you haven't heard about his girlfriend and you're already in trouble. So, like, <laughs> so what are we talking about today, girl? I thought we were going to get into some topics about um, living a magical life. Hey, what does that look like, living a magical life? Unmitigated chaos. (laughs) (laughs) You really care about house cleaning a lot less. (laughs) Um, So when I think about, um, I guess it's more like magical integrity is is kind of what I want to talk about today. And I think the place that I want to start with is is saying this from the get-go. I do not, by any standard of measure, have it together. Okay, you guys? Hell to the no. And that's hell, H-E-L, from the underworld, queen of Nordic pick. Hell no. I mean, I am still struggling. I'm still learning. I'm still juggling. And the more I learn, it seems like... The more chaos is attracted to me. And I have a good relationship with chaos. Chaos and I are buddies. Like, I'm into it. But sometimes when chaos comes around, it becomes a house guest that has overstayed its welcome. And for me, especially somebody who struggles with OCD, it's it's difficult. Um, but so that's what I wanted to say is like, let, let's be honest here and, and real. Like, I'm not going to pretend like... I'm like Miss Perfect and I've got it all sorted out and everything's figured out. And like, I walk my talk a hundred percent of the time all day, every day. No, that's, that's not it. I'm struggling and I'm trying just like everybody else. Yeah. And I, I think that the, today's discussion is mainly like, wouldn't it be great if we all dot, 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 (laughs) because I know for me, I'm, I'm in formalized magic training for the first time ever and like I've said in previous podcasts if you'd have told me all those years ago that this is where I'd be when I'm 50 I'd have told you you're fucking nuts because that's never happening (laughs) and yet here I am and it's it's so much more work than I ever anticipated and I like that part I just am really crappy still at enacting it because I've just come through a thing that I'm still trying to figure out it kind of stripped me out of, and maybe that's just the passage of 50, but it stripped me out of things that I have always known about myself to be true and how I did things do not work anymore. Now, some of that honestly is because of the 2012 gateway. And if we're, you talk to any woo-woo practitioner, any mat, like things don't work the way they did eight years ago. Well, and I'm gonna I'm gonna hazard a guess, and here comes my catchphrase. I have absolutely no empirical data to support this, but I gotta believe it's true. Um, things never work the way that they worked before because the circumstances have changed. Yeah, you know we are always traveling through time and space. We will never repeat the same moment, never be in the same space ever again. So 
unless you are some sort of mathematical savant um, who can calculate circumstances of time and space while you're trying to do your work, um, things are not always going to work out the way you planned. Right. And I know that there's a certain part of me that's just not wanting to accept that I may be slowing down because I also have this belief that your your age and your ability to or not do things because of your body or your meat suit is all in your mind. But there's a practicality side to the fact that I cash checks in my early parts of my life that are being cashed now, and that's called consequences. Mm-hmm. And so coming through a you know bunch of health crisis stuff that some was of my own making, some is just like happenstance, some I believe I called into being to shift some things for myself, coming out of that and saying, I should I... <sighs> it's hard for me to get my old programming to understand and accept the new programming that I want it to have. It's like trying to install a program into your computer and the computer itself is rejecting it. Mm. You know, repetition, 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 repetition. Mm -hmm. You don't like go and visit some place where the Tibetan monks are chanting and walk in the room and they chant the chant one time and say, okay, we're good. We're done. Right. And these people who live a spiritual life, who are constantly in the flow, repetition is everything. Mm-hmm. And I think part of the beauty of getting older um, is that we have an opportunity to enjoy slowing down, to enjoy not having to be so physical, to enjoy being able to be more cerebral and more spiritual. That's why old people are wise, right? That's why we have elders, Yeah. So I'm kind of looking forward to being able to slow down and, and like, just really be be magic all Mm -hmm. the time instead of of being caught up in the the mundane rat race of chasing coins and chasing affection and, and all that other stuff. Like, being in a place where I have everything I need. Well, and I think, too, the, like, when we discussed about talking talking about like the embodiment of magic like how do you embody magic in your physical body in your energetic body and all of all of the pieces parts that make up you so that you are more consciously living walking talking magic because that's really what we are yeah but we constantly forget well i when we were like noodling about this and writing notes down the first thing that i wrote down and you guys i'm not telling you how to witch okay this is just a conclusion i've come to you for myself and it may help someone else. Mm-hmm. And once I accepted this as the reality, things got a lot easier for me. For me, the message was this. Magic is not something you do. Magic is something you are. And the moment you stop separating yourself from magic, it becomes a hell of a lot easier to do magic, right? Mm-hmm. To consciously reach into the flow and direct energy where it needs to go. Instead of constantly trying to react to a situation, being in, being able to see the situation as it's unfolding, to make adjustments on the fly, to have better outcomes. And really that comes down to skill and acumen, which only comes with repetition and practice. And let's be honest, none of us want to work that hard. <laughs> <laughs> we want to have it just be instantaneously available 
But even when we play our D&D games and, you know, our role-playing games or our video games, you don't get to enact a magic spell as a mage if you haven't prepped the spell and collected Mm -hmm. the stuff because your DM is going to be like, oh, roll an execution on that. And, you know, when when the spell fails, it's most likely become you didn't prep it the night before while everyone was sitting around the campfire drinking grog and chewing on turkey legs. You had to be prepping the shit out of stuff so that if you came across some orcs the next day, you would be prepared because that's your freaking job. Yeah, because now you don't have the energy, the focus, or the raw materials that you need to get the job done. Mm-hmm. So so uh, we, we recognize that, that we don't... If you're going to make a recipe, if you're going to make a dinner for people, you've got to have the ingredients. It's the same thing with magic work. You've got to do the work. And we don't usually want to. Yeah, but you can't just bring home a bag of groceries and sit it on the counter and have it suddenly turn into a four-course meal. Correct. Right? There's work to be done. It's not just gathering supplies. It's putting the energy and the focus into it as well. Mm-hmm. So if you're going to live a magical life, understand that it means a change in your lifestyle and a pretty drastic one for people who live in the Western world here in the United States because we don't take breaks. We don't understand the importance of stillness and quiet. Mm-hmm. So that's that's a big part of being able to get into the flow is being quiet and being still mm-hmm. and taking that time every day. Self-discipline is a real bitch, you guys. <laughs> it is. And hey, Miss Annie. Um, so by no means are we saying like what we're saying today, like we're like you were to observe our life and you'd be seeing us with perfect altars and perfect situations <laughs> and we're like oh we're just walking the magic out every single day because we're freaking amazing no it's that's not what it looks like it's what i wished it looked like hell yes but it's not yeah life is still happening and i think the skill comes in when you can find that balance between when you're working big magic obviously you do your best to have your shit together because you want it to be successful mm-hmm. and when you high kitten and when you do um, smaller magics, and I don't think that any magic is by means small, but when you're looking at more instant instant access stuff, come here, kitten, uh, you're talking about things that you've that you're used to doing, so you can you can put it out easier because it, you've already done it multiple times, right? You know, and I think that is suddenly all this activities in the house. Because this is life. This is what, you know, like you can be in the middle of a spell and your toddler comes up and grabs the shit off and knocks everything out. You're like, you got to just keep going. You got to figure out, play with the cat while you're still talking on the podcast. (laughs) So, um, so yeah, I think that's, so when we say walk your talk, we're not standing here or sitting here from a position of authority that says we have our shit together because we do not. No, we're real for real, real. But when we do enact some shit, it, it's powerful and potent because that's our intention and that's what we worked on. To well, make and it, it gets the focus and respect that it deserves. So here's the thing about like magical integrity and understanding how your integrity has an impact upon the results of your magic. Understand that if magic is not something you do and magic is something that you are, then does it not follow logically that every action, word, and thought that you have is infused with magical potential? And that every action, word, and thought that you have directly impacts the entire matrix around you? 
And that's a heavy thing. And I can I can see where that would freak people out if when you realize that. Right. Because then you're going to go through this, like I know I did, where I went through periods of time where I was like, wait. So if I'm infused with magic, because I am magic, and I just am not thinking about it, and I go do something, and I should know better, like then you get arrested and crippled with a, a bit of like anxiety of, well, I can't be responsible all the time. You know, so... I can see where that could be a, a thing that would stop somebody. And you have to figure out how you feel about that and know where to put it. <laughs> Regardless of how you feel about it, that's the way it is. So, <laughs> right. <laughs> well, so it's, it's that thing with great, you know, with great power comes great responsibility. Right. Like, as cliche as it is, cliches are the cliches because they're true. So let's, let's do metaphors and cliches today. If, <laughs> if magic is like a body of water flowing... And you think that you are going to go up and just dip your toe in, and that's going to be the end of your interaction with magic, you're probably mistaken. Because now magic knows you. It recognizes you. It's imprinted on you. It has activated with you on a molecular level. And it is always going to interact with you, whether or not you're conscious of it. Well, it, yes, because much like if you're familiar here in Minnesota with uh, Gitchagumi or Lake Superior, um, there's there's something that our friend Salm has said. Uh, once you get one drop <laughs> of Gitchagumi on you, she you're hers. She she demands you to pilgrimage. She demands you to get in her. She demands you to come see her. She will forever be a part of your heart. And when you look at her and you're standing next to her and you're feeling her. You can't not feel her then whenever you think about her. Boom. Yep. She's 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 got you. There's no there's no it's it's at the molecular level. You're you're toast. Yeah, you're connected. <laughs> you're and connected. That, it doesn't go away. No. Um you can magic's de- the same thing. Yeah. You can deny it. You can pretend that it's not happening. You can say it's all coincidence, it's all you know, just like I'm looking for patterns, I'm self validating. Um, you can say all of those things. And if that's the reality you want to live in, that's your reality. Cool. Awesome. For me, I want to live in a reality where I'm magic and the things that I say and do and think matter. Because the things that you say and do and think matter. But that also means you have to be responsible for what you say and what you do. Right. Or what you don't do. So that gets into an integrity issue, which is different from ethics, mm-hmm. I think. Because I think um, ethics is a personal thing. Like you decide where your moral boundaries are. But integrity is just that. It's like, are you doing what you say you're doing? If you say that you are vehemently opposed to anything that causes distress to a particular community of people and you're and you're proclaiming yourself to be a champion of that group of people and yet... When the opportunity comes for you to stand up, you don't. What are you? Because the universe doesn't recognize that incongruence. The universe just looks at your actions and says, your actions dictate that this is what you are. So this is what you're going to attract and this is what you're going to get. It doesn't matter what your mouth is saying if what you're doing is completely in opposition. Um, And we have to be careful with that because we live in a society where we spend a lot of time on social media trying to make our lives look glossier and neater than they really are. Mm-hmm. 
Guilty. You guys, if you look at my Instagram, I am devastatingly beautiful. But if you saw me right now, you'd be like, who is that person? <laughs> I'm pretty much what you see, what you get. That's just because I don't care enough to glossify my life for other people's consumption because I'm just, it's too much effort. Well, I'm just practicing my glamour magic. I just well, want to see, you know? Yeah. And that's, you know, and that I, I enjoy your glamour magic because it reminds me, Hey, you should maybe be doing that. And I go, ah, oh. <laughs> Tangie will do it for me. <laughs> all right. All right. Oh, by the way, I have a lipstick for you. No oh, more awesome. Now. Um, so I, my thing is that magic will respond to the circumstances you create. If your ask does not mask what you are showing and telling, you're not going to get what you're asking for. So let's talk about money magic. Okay. Let's say you are working, you're doing money magic, right? But you are living poverty. What happens? Poverty. More poverty, right? So it doesn't matter what you do if your mindset is that you just, you're not going to make it and there's never enough and you're going to live in a cardboard box and starve to death under a bridge somewhere. That's what you're going to manifest. No matter how many candles you burn, no matter how many honey jars you put out, no matter how many knot spells you do, no matter, no matter what, if your poverty mentality is driving, that's where you're going. So make sure that what you're asking matches what you're showing. And how does a person do that? Um, poverty blocks are really big and they're really common. And, and sometimes they're lineal. Yeah. Um, but again, the way out of it is repetition, repetition, repetition. If you can find a way to go back and search your memory for when those blocks were implanted. Let's say when you were a kid, your parents had money troubles. And every time you asked for something, maybe you needed money for a field trip, you got, you got told, we, we can't afford it. Money doesn't grow on trees, kid, right? And let's say that became your belief is that money doesn't grow on trees. There's not enough money. So that, that plays in your head all the time. You may not be aware of it consciously, but you have already like accepted that there's just not enough money, right? And you're not entitled to your portion of it, whatever amount there may be, there's none for you. So how do you reprogram that? You go back to that memory and I sit down and write it out. Seriously, you guys, pen and paper, something magical here, okay? Write down the memory. When I was eight and we were gonna go on a field trip to the science museum and I needed $10 to do that, mom told me, we can't afford that, money doesn't grow on trees, you're just gonna have to get used to missing out on stuff. Write it down, because that's the memory. And then that part where she told you about scarcity, cross it out, write something new. We don't have that money right now, but it's going to show up in time for what you need. Mm -hmm. Write it down over and over and over again and say it out loud and start imprinting a new synapse into your brain. Because if you tell yourself this edited version of this story enough times, it will become the story. It's not a lie. It's just your way of rewiring your response to lack. Well, and I <clears throat> was telling you, earlier about my new relationship with Fortuna that I'm working on. I had this beautiful experience with my maternal grandfather. And when he would come up, which wouldn't be often, but because he bought me my first guitar, he was a writer um, and a musician. 
and I just thought he was the cat's pajamas. <laughs> and when he would come up from Janesville to visit the farm, before we would get home from school, he would go out and shower the driveway. This was before we tarred the driveway, so it was like gravel. Okay. And he would seed the, I think actually both my ground, because my opa's tapping him and goes, I did that too. It did. So both my grandfathers on both sides of my family would do this thing where they'd seed the, the driveway with pennies. Ah. And then we'd come home and be like, oh, my God, Grandpa. And they say, you know, I think it was raining pennies out here earlier. <laughs> no, it was not, Grandpa. You're so funny, Opa. No. And we'd go out and he'd go, oh, is that a penny? And then we'd find these pennies and we'd just be picking pennies out of the, out of the driveway. And, you know, really, maybe it equaled like... 50 cents worth of pennies which is one roll of pennies but they just got out and seeded and scattered but it was something we did that was magical it was something that we did because grandpas were here <laughs> and um so i have this thing where as i was growing up and you know that there's that rhyme like find a penny pick it mm-hmm. up all the day you have a good look find a penny let it lie something something for somebody else something okay i remember it but I would do this thing where if I saw money laying on the ground, I would say, okay, money, I, because I, I've asked for money or I've been looking for money or, uh, you know, please shower me with money, Fortuna, because the things are fucked up and I didn't adult well and I need to manifest this stuff. So um, for the longest time, I was just letting the money lie. I would acknowledge it and say, thank <laughs> you, but I wouldn't pick it up because <laughs> it was better for somebody else to get it because I didn't want to be greedy. Mm, sent some patterns in there. Well, if you ask for something and then it shows up and you don't take it, whose fault is that? Right. Well, and it, maybe not fault is harsh, but it is the, the point of the story is I've, I've since now, whenever I see money on the ground, I say, thank you. And I pick it all up and put it in my altar to or spend it like whatever kind of thing. Um, and that's what I'm doing now. But yeah. it was a pattern for me to break because what I was telling myself and the universe was that I'm a manifester. Clearly, I can manifest the shit out of something. But then when I get it, I say, oh, but I don't deserve it. I'm, I'm open to accepting it, but I'm going to leave it for someone else who's more needy than me. Which, how fucked up is that? Right? Well, okay. So here's, this is weird because I just found a dollar on the ground two days ago. In the parking lot. And I reached over and I picked it up. No problem at all. Because what I decided was, while I didn't need that money right now, I was going to take that and I was going to save it for the next time I was walking around downtown and somebody came up and asked me if they could have some money. Sure. Because I never carry cash when I'm downtown. And so I was like, well, a dollar's not much. But, you know, uh, eventually if you get enough drops in the bucket, the bucket gets full. So... Mm -hmm. That's kind of my attitude about it. And like found money to me is like, if it's not money that I've asked for, it's just like bonus, you know, $10 laying on the ground. Um, that feels like a pay it forward moment. And that's great if you're in a place to pay it forward. But if you are not in a place to pay it forward, that $10 is yours. Mm. You know, you may need gas in the car. You may need to buy yourself some food. You may need to put that towards a phone bill or kitty litter or something like the universe is trying to provide it's just sometimes it doesn't show up in the context that we expect it it doesn't show up in the amount that we we thought we needed it doesn't show up in the time that we asked it for you know whatever because i I think time is different there than it is here and time is an illusion anyway that's a whole nother podcast (laughs) (laughs) but i don't think time is the same there as it is here and i don't think that 
because of the way money works now, mm -hmm. um, it is difficult to specify the, the value of pieces of paper. Well, but money is all about flow. And, mm -hmm. you know, my understanding of money and the research that I've done of how did we get to this currency thing? Well, it's, I can't trot around downtown St. Paul with a herd of pigs that I can trade for some gas, you know? So, so we created this currency that's easy to carry and it's all about flow and it's all about being in, in the, the money doesn't like to sit. It will sit and multiply, but it does like to move. Well, and since we've all agreed that this is the way that we're going to use money, that this is, we have all agreed, like we know it's just pieces of paper, but we've all agreed that those pieces of paper have an innate value or the numbers in your bank account have an innate value. We've all agreed on that. What we haven't all agreed on is that it needs to move around. Right. And I think with magic applied to a money need situation or a fulfillment a requirement is like you we have to keep the I think it's one thing to say to magic I need you to do this thing it's another thing for you to listen for magic to say that's awesome but we also have to take into consider the nature of the thing and what it does because that's that's in the formula like so money is meant to move and it will it will eddy and multiply and we can get money to be our ally and 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 apply the sense of exchange that we need, but that we have to factor that into how money comes, how money flows, how money goes away, how money um, does its thing, because it's its own thing. Well, and sometimes money is not the answer. Right. Because sometimes when you're asking for money to throw at a problem, the universe is like, but that's not the answer. Right. The problem has to be solved in a different way. This is not a situation that you can buy yourself out of. There may be an energetic imbalance that you've got to address before you can get out of that debt situation with whom or whatever you're in it with. So it's a lot bigger than just saying, I need $200 to pay T-Mobile. Well, mm -hmm. why do you need $200 to pay T-Mobile? What happened, right? Did you have a data overage? Is it because you're not getting information from the sources you're supposed to get? Like there are lots of contributing factors to why we owe money to things. Mm -hmm. And honestly, corporations are things, right? Um, so how do we get into balance with that? How do we get to a place where we're comfortable trading our paper money for these things that have value to us? And like, how do we value our time in exchange for the paper money? Like, what is your time worth? What is like every minute of your life worth to you? So it's really complicated. I, I work money magic for other people. I'm still not comfortable really working it for myself. And yet when I do, things happen. Mm -hmm. So um, that's me like, I've got to learn how to like work magic from a more intelligent place. I'm not a dumb person. Um, I plan out lots of things in my life. I schedule, you know, blocks of time in my days to get tasks completed. I establish long-term goals and break them down into small-term goals and figure out the resources I need to get those things done with all the other aspects of my life. But when it comes to my magic, I tend to still be reactive. And that's kind of silly. <laughs> I'm going to be kind to myself and just say, that's kind of silly. There's an opportunity for me to be incorporating magic into my plans like I do anything else. And, I, and I'm consistently missing it. So 
I'm going to work on that, you guys, and let you know how that goes, right? Well, and that's, you know, that's something that I'm struggling with in my studies is that I'm present to all the classes and the classwork, and I'm, I was having a trouble getting some of my materia. And then when I got caught up with some of that, it's the actual walking it out and doing it. And one of the hardest things that's hard for me is I have to do a lot of uncrossing work and road opening work. And I am finding myself incredibly resistant to that. And, you know, as I'm trying to walk my life out as a magical creature and I recognize that because there's one thing in the past, I've been a magical creature without thinking about it and, and things just work. Right. And I think now that I've, I'm like formally training myself in doing the education piece, now I'm thinking about all the things and then it just kind of stops no. up the whole train. Yeah, that conscious mind stuff is is completely like a magic roadblock. Mm-hmm. Um, I struggle with that a lot. And I had to get to a point where I realized that what I was doing was I had a lot of intellectual hubris that was getting in my way. Like if I, I'm so clever, right? Like I'm so smart. I can figure this out and if and if I can't apply logic and analyze it then it just can't be real right so a lot of like second-guessing myself and telling myself the things that were happening were just coincidences that I was imagining things that it was just wishful thinking and just undoing all the magic that was just naturally happening around me with my own egocentric nonsense and when you get into a place where you have to like put everything through an analytical filter, that's not the place where magic comes from. Right. And I think that's the, that's the trap I'm in right now because I've had magical things happen my whole life without a whole lot of like formalization. And so now that I'm learning some, and my teacher would be the last person to say that this is formal. That's my words, not, not their words, but it's, for me, and, and I think part of it is because I respect my teachers so much and I look to their life and say, I want to be like that. I want to flow like that. Um, I have flowed like that and mm-hmm. I do flow like that. But the gravitas that I'm doing and in investing in the money and the time into this formalized education so that I know the mechanics that I didn't know before, I feel... I hope that once I get on the other side of this, it's a great marriage of what I intuit and what I know to be as a as a longtime priestess at the cellular level, mm-hmm. and what I know as a wizard mm-hmm. come together in this like oh, and I can relax about it. But right now I'm schlogging through the like learning every piece of the machine to a degree and understanding the things that I understood. But now I'm trying to to legitimize myself ah. <laughs> um, because I want to step out as in a leadership role. And I feel like that I need to kind of have an a little bit of an idea of what I'm talking about. But you do. The, the I like the notion and believe me, I'm I, I get it. There's there's a trap here. OK. And the trap. Warning, warning. Yeah. Please pay attention to this trap indication. The trap is this. If you just accept the magic as it's happening, the magic continues to happen. If you start trying to pull it apart to see how the clock works, the clock stops working. Right. I and, get that. And so that's the trap. You want to be able to repeat your results 
So you need to understand how it works so that you can repeat your results and adjust them to get better results or to deal with different circumstances. But when you take the cuckoo clock apart, it doesn't work anymore. And you have to be a master at whatever a person is who does clocks. I don't know what they're called. <laughs> <laughs> Somebody will tell me in a comment, right? But you have to be a master at a, at, as a clockmaker to put the cuckoo clock back together again. So while you're going through the process, you need to take lots of notes and visual pictures, mental pictures of what the clockworks look like so you can put them back together again. But the great unknown is still infused in there. No matter what you do, no matter how far down you take the analysis, at the core of it, there's still something that can't be fully known. I recognize that there's that mystery. But that's the trap. Mm-hmm. And... And so that's, that's applying sort of like scientific thinking to magic. Like magic is undiscovered science, yes, but it's undiscovered because it's difficult to apply scientific method to it. Um, so it's hard, you guys, to be able to repeat results because once you take the clock apart, the clock stops working. <laughs> so you have to decide, do I just want the clock to keep working and hope that I'm getting it right, you know, hope that I'm, I'm doing the right things and living in the right way and asking in the right way and being open to the right things. Or do you want some certainty? And that's an individual choice. And there are some people who have magic down to, you know, specific formula and incantation, and this must be done this way at this time, standing in this direction, standing on one foot with a peacock on your head. And there are other people who just instinctively grab the flow and direct it to do what they needed to do. And I've done that. I mean, mm -hmm. I've been in a truck stop with a bunch of women in the backwoods of Wisconsin, <laughs> you know, putting menstrual blood in a cup and peeing in a jar so that we can go do some magic in the woods. What are we doing? We don't know. We just know we need this materia and we need to grab it while we're in, you know, and we do that and it's just instinctual and it happens and we know and it works. And that, that's my happiest place when I'm walking that kind of a magic. Like, But it can be the same kind of magic that I'm talking with a cab driver. Right. About life and, and whatever. Like that's the conductivity that happens in between souls, I think. And that's where magic really lives. Yes. Is in between that. It doesn't necessarily live in the making sure you have the right incense and making sure that the direction that you're standing is in the right way and that you're doing the right honoring. I mean, I'm not dissing people who do ceremonial, super specific magic. I'm just saying that's not my thing. And, and so this, this training that I'm getting is largely for me to, because I'm working with somebody who's more chaos driven and alchemical. Mm -hmm. And that's the information that I think I was missing. Obviously I wouldn't find the teacher that I found. Well, yeah. I mean, that's something that's long been said in the craft is that when the student is ready, the teacher appears. Mm -hmm. And I'm sure that it's been said in other traditions as well. So I'm not going to like lay claim to that. Um, but magic works for you the way magic works for you. Mm -hmm. um, which is why, you know, my thing is like, I'm not, <coughs> I'm not ever going to tell anybody how to witch. You, you witch in your own way or wizard or magician. Like you, you do your thing because if it works for you, that's all that you need. There's the proof in the pudding, kids. It works. And I think the hardest part, too, in this day of fake news and this day of, like, people glossing over what they are or who they wish they are. I mean, I'm all about, like, understanding there's a certain amount of, you know, understanding that most a lot of people fake it till they make it. Mm -hmm. 
Um, but that's understanding that at po- that some point there is a making part and the fake part goes away. Right. You know? Um, but it's the, you know, there's a lot of people out there selling a bunch of crap. Hmm. You know? And when people are desperate, as a fat person, I'm going to say this straight up. Like, this is like a whole other show about frequency. But as a fat person, we're constantly bombard, bombarded by our tribes, our society, our health professionals, the media, everybody, that we are so beyond less than that we're, like, we're disgusting, hmm. you know? And we have to do a lot of faking it till we make it just to function and you know there's a lot of there's a lot of gravitas put on our appearance that says if you're if you look a certain way you must thus be healthy Hmm. but i've met a lot of unhealthy (laughs) putridly toxically unhealthy people who don't have an ounce of fat on them and I'm not saying that this isn't a like thing where obesity is a thing. Yes, it is. But let's we were going to talk about how people get that way. But when we're trying to walk our talk and be integral to ourselves to get healthy or be healthier, um, you know, it's there. There's a there's an integrity there that's very difficult to adhere to because society is constantly yanking us off our track. Well, no, I get it. Like being an overweight person and going to the gym is a nightmare because you're in the gym because you're trying to get in shape and get, you know, your body into a condition other than it is because you've decided you want it to be some other way. And you're in there diligently doing that work. And people are looking at you like, what are you doing here? Look at the fat girl on the treadmill. Who does she think she is? Well, you know, I'm the fat girl on treadmill. I'm exactly where I'm supposed to be according to society. Right. Yep. So why are you giving me a hard time about doing what you guys are screaming at me to do 24-7? You don't have to look at me. Right. Look, look elsewhere. Go elsewhere. didn't ask <laughs> you to look at me. I certainly didn't ask you to videotape me and post it on the internet. You know? Ugh. There's a certain thing about, you know, those of us that are stepping out as magical practitioners, which I'm not outing anybody for sure because that's crap and it's not my job and it's not my right. But I myself am standing out in the universe saying, yeah, I'm a magical practitioner, just like I'm a fat girl, just like I'm a whatever. Mm -hmm. And, you know, what the magical world doesn't also need with the with the walking our talk and and are the fake it till we make it people is to have anyone call them on their shit. I mean, we want to call people on their shit because, we, you know, if if it stinks, it stinks. (laughs) But. The thing about it is, is that it's, it's hard enough for us to be out here being solid in our ground. Like we need to do what we can to help people continue to do that. Right. But it doesn't help when there's like this sort of like pissing contest going on. Like I'm more magical than thou nonsense. Like I don't, I don't have time for it. Like respect everybody's journey. And respect that, like, not everybody is going to be on the same path that you are. And it's okay. Mm-hmm. It's okay. It doesn't in any way invalidate what you're doing. What you're doing is precious and beautiful and unique to your experience. Let everybody else have the same. Yeah. And I think that's where integrity is something that people can sometimes wield as a weapon. 
like you said, I'm holier than thou. Yeah. And that's not what integrity means. In my in my definition, it's the be real about what you're doing. Be okay with the fact that you're gonna stumble fuck your way through this just like everybody else. Mm-hmm. And that be open to all kinds of, you know, points of view and then discern for yourself what you need to walk out your magical life. And that may not look like somebody else's recipe. Right. And so I think the the hardest part for me in in my teaching um, or my learning from my teacher is that um, it's really easy to a hero, heroine worship somebody hmm. who has been through something and you, you admire and you want to be like them. But at the same time, you recognize that they're busy being them. So there's no need for you to do what they're doing. You need to do what you need to do. That is reminds me of a funny story that I was told about when I was a little kid. Complete tangent, you guys, but here we go. So, you know, when you're a little kid, people ask you all the time, like, oh, what do you want to be when you grow up? And and people will be like, oh, I want to be an astronaut, or I want to be a fireman, or I want to be a police officer. When people ask me, I would say, I want to be Tina Turner. And I didn't understand why I couldn't be Tina Turner. That's what I wanted to be when I grew up. I didn't have the words to articulate that I wanted to be a powerful woman who stood on her own, who used her voice to get what she wanted. All I knew was that I liked that about Tina Turner, so I thought that was what Tina Turner meant. But you can't be somebody else. You can only be who you are. I wanted to be Wonder Woman. Nothing wrong with that. But you got to be your own Wonder Woman. Right? I know. I was all like, I can, get a, I can have an invisible jet. I have this awesome lasso. Come on now. <laughs> I make people tell me the truth. That's right. By telling the truth. And that's, that's the integrity thing. I, you know, I, I have always said, because it was something that was said to me when I was growing up, treat people the way you want to be treated. Yeah. That was my parents' golden rule. Yep. So, you know, my thing is like, I try my best to always be candid and tell the truth in every situation I can. I have learned to develop tact as an adult. I'm not always good at it. It's a new skill for me. Um, sometimes I give people way too much truth. Um, with way too much intensity, but I love intensity. Like I love to be surrounded by people who are intense. Small talk bores the shit out of me. I don't have time for it. My life is short. Let's be real. That's me. And so that's how I expect other people to interact with me. And it's difficult sometimes when I encounter people who are not in that sphere of existence, but I need to treat them with respect, but I'm not going to alter who I am. So that's part of my, my walk and my talk is like, I tell the truth. I tell it how it is. I candy coat nothing. And it's going to, it's just going to be what it is. Like the bare naked truth of the situation. And that's not for everybody. No. You know, I'm not everybody's cup of tea and I'm okay with that. I don't need everybody to like me. I don't need everybody to agree with me. I just need everybody to be respectful. Mm Mm-hmm. So that's part of me living with my integrity is just be respectful. Baseline human behavior, respect. Well, and, you know, Tina Turner is not a bad person to aspire to be, right? Absolutely not. So just like Wonder Woman, though she's a comic book character come to life, she she iconically with the, you know, all the geekdom that I've discussed her origin story with are all 
bent out of shape about it because it's changed and mutable or changing a lot. But I'm like, but that's women. <laughs> like, like, yes. Just, you know, but, uh, you know, am I going to get a, a, an invisible jet? No. But can I astrally project myself into other dimensions so that I can do some problem solving when I'm sleeping and be using my time wisely? Absolutely. And what is that? That's an invisible jet. That's awesome. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> I don't always remember what I did, well, um, but I do know that there's work going on. But that's that's the magical life. I mean, I myself very much thrive on this this idea of doing my best to be as magical a creature as possible and still appreciate being human. Right. Which has been a very difficult journey for me this lifetime. Mm. I've had more practitioners tell me that have worked with me in the past have said, you have to accept that you're human. And I'm like, I don't want to. <laughs> yeah. And so it's a boundaries issue. It's a it's limitations a issue. It's a, it's a thing where I'm just like, oh, but are you looking around at us? We're terrible. But at the same time, we're wonderful. And it's, oh, it's such a dual thing. It's so difficult. There is great beauty to be had in this life. There is great love to be had in this life. There is great magic to be had in this life. And so I'm just trying to find it wherever I can. I had somebody say to me once when I was like talking to them in a conversation about some things that were going on in my life and trying to identify sort of the source of some things and see if I was maybe decoding some messages and what was going on. And I had them say to me, well, you know, not everything is magic. And I had a very adverse reaction to that statement. <laughs> yeah, I would have too. I was like, excuse me? Yes, everything it's is all magic. damn magic. Um, Where, what universe do you live in? But uh, at the same time, love and compassion at you. The <laughs> fact that I am here, I am the product of a million miracles because the fact that my parents got together is amazing. And the fact that their sets of parents got together is amazing. And so on and so forth, back through antiquity. And somehow we survived being a bunch of crazy marauding Celts for me to end up here now. Mm -hmm. um i'm a miracle that's magic everything in my life therefore must follow and be magic i'm cool with it i'm excited <laughs> about it i'm cool with it i'm cool with it I, I, you know i'm down <laughs> so we were talking about like uh messages to source to the flow to the universe to the gods what have you whatever words you want to use they are oh. yours right um but here's the thing, when you are sending out a message, when you open your pie hole and say, okay, universe, I am ready, I want X, Y, and Z, right? We were talking about this. You gotta talk to the universe like you talk to your dog. <laughs> That's true. Because what did you say? When, you know, a lot of times in, when you listen to trainer animal trainers, which I always think is such a weird word, but I get it, you're just trying to come to an agreement with your the pet that you're stewarding, the domesticated pet you're stewarding, but is that when you say don't get on the couch, really all your dog hears or sees in their mind is couch. Yep. So they get up on the couch and like, don't do that. <laughs> but that's what you said. You just said couch. Because the universe doesn't necessarily respond to do not. Do not or no or never or quit or stop. Like those words that, they're the words that interrupt the flow. Yeah. So leave those out. <laughs> those are not helpful. The universe just doesn't, the universe is like, uh, I don't know what that word means, so I'm just going to skip it. You know what that was like when you were reading books when you were a kid and you didn't know what a word meant. You just, 
uh, how often did you go to the dictionary and look it up? I mean, maybe if you were a dork like me, pretty often, but not every time. You would try and like get it from the context of the stuff around it, right? Mm -hmm. Without necessarily finding out what that word meant exactly. In the context of the stuff around it, it might mean this. But you could be totally wrong. But at the same time, when you're doing magic, being specific mm -hmm. with your intention and what you what you ask for, because you get it. It's like be careful what you ask for, because you're gonna get it. Just listen. So if you mean something but don't say something, there's a balance that has to be struck there about how things can get delivered to you. So, but that's why I think intention is oftentimes overlooked. The words we get, we pay attention to, but we don't necessarily do the intention behind it as well. Right. Do you really mean what you're saying? Right. And, and are the words that you're saying, are they yours? Um, because you found a really cool spell in a book somewhere or in an article online or somebody told you uh, the words that they use to do this thing. But are they your words? Do they mean the same thing to you that they meant to the person who wrote that down the first time? Do they carry the same baggage? If you're working money magic, maybe that person didn't have a poverty block. Maybe they were an upper middle class kid who got everything they needed, everything they asked for. So working money magic is easy for them because money is just a thing that happens for them, right? But if you grew up a poor kid, it's not a thing that happened for you. So maybe those words don't work for, work for you because your intention and your programming is not the same. So it's not as simple as just saying, okay, universe, I'm ready for the truth. Show me now. Well, yeah, I guess it kind of is, but it may not be the truth you were expecting because sometimes the truth that the universe gives you is you're not ready. Mm -hmm. That's a little hard sometimes. Been there. Not <laughs> saying that I'm not. I mean, there's this pregnant silence. So like I'm looking at the <laughs> thing here that's showing our waveforms and it's like, oh, that was heavy. <laughs> but true. Some things need to just sit. <laughs> you know, I think that's also another thing when we, you know, we were talking earlier and we're, I think it's a good segue to get into this. You know, magic as a reaction or reactionatory magic, you, you touched on it a little earlier with the preparation process. And proactive magic. Right. Like there, there are two different things. You know, one is obviously you're reacting to a situation and the other is you can anticipate what could possibly happen and you plan for it. It's kind of like risk management of your estate planning for your retirement <laughs> versus holy shit, I don't have any money. I don't have a job anymore because I'm retired. What do I do? Right. Too late. <laughs> Can be done, but you're going to scramble and you're going to probably have to work till you're 85, which I'm going to have to do. But the same thing, like, how do you take that back? <sighs> That's true. I take it back. No, I don't. I want to work until I'm dead because to me, my magical life is my work. Okay. And Fair. I'm, when I'm, I'm not talking about like sitting in a cubicle job that I hate every single day of my life until I've clocked off another enough hours to whatever. That's not my life. I jumped out of that out of that, that path form a long time ago. Because there's a lot of work to be done and I'm going to be a vital 80, 90-year-old if I'm, you know, able to... Oh, if that's yeah. where my contract is, that's groovy. We're totally transcending the whole death yeah. thing. You guys should Whatever. just know that. We don't believe in it, so... <laughs> but in terms of, like, planning, planning magic versus, you know, reacting, I think there's a place for both. 
but I I think banking on reactionatory magic being the staple of your of your power base is not necessarily a wise tactic. Well, because now emotion is is a big deal in magic. Like emotional content is critical, right? You need to feel this. Like it needs to feel true, right? It needs to feel real. But when you are working magic from a reactive state, you are highly emotional, but it may not be the appropriate emotional state to get what you want, mm-hmm. right? Because panic and anxiety, that's all fear-based stuff. And for it's been my experience that when I am working magic from a place of fear that it stops the flow and I don't get what I want. I can't even do a reading if I'm coming from a place of fear. That's when I usually jump out for a perspective and have someone else do it on my behalf. But if I'm going to do proactive magic, it just means that I am kind of trying to predict the future, which is a little bit arrogant, but I think this is my metaphor for it. If you are driving down the highway and you are only looking at the car immediately in front of you, you're going to have to react when they hit their brakes. If you are driving down the highway and you are looking half a mile to a mile up the road ahead of you at what the traffic patterns are doing, you can anticipate when the person in front of you is going to hit their brakes. That's the difference between being reactive and proactive in magic. You can see the pattern unfolding and course correct rather than deal with reacting to whatever has gotten completely screwed up. I think sword work is a really good example of how close reactionatory magic and pre-reaction magic can live right next to each other. Yes. What I deal with in my training of, of sword work has all been staged combat, which is what I would equate to pro-action planning. Because we choreograph everything like a dance for safety, for supporting the narrative and the story because it's a, it's a mechanism within the theatrical world for us to tell, continue to tell the story and the art of violence supports what we want, what the outcome happens in the actual overarching story. So when you are fighting in a real time situation, like um, in the sport of fencing or in the act of say a martial art uh, competition, okay, you have a skill set that's your base. Mm-hmm. You, so has the other person. It's just about who has the greater skill to anticipate that which needs to happen. So um, I think that's something that's really interesting to think about. So when we're talking about, you know, this, this sword fighting world of the difference between when we choreograph something and the difference when you're in tournament play. Mm-hmm. Your reactions in tournament play are in real time stuff based on your set of skills and you you have to like like you were doing with the driving analogy you have to be able to anticipate what could happen and and be in the moment with it and that's not to say that reactionary magic doesn't have its place in time Mm -hmm. but the staged combat version of fighting is uh all emotional it's uh, but we program it in with a pre-planning so that we we achieve a goal. Okay. You know what I mean? 
like it it supports the story like a, a very classic example of that is a movie we both love a story we both love in dangerous liaisons mm-hmm. when in the movie uh the first movie when john malkovich is in, in is in the duel with keanu reeves you you know he's going to, there, there's this moment where you see him actually decide to commit suicide with this duel with this younger unskilled fighter because he's just tired of this game. Mm-hmm. And that is an incredibly powerful moment in the story that is supported by the sword play. Because it's been all mapped out, even though we then pretend that it's spontaneously happening. Right. You know, it's kind of like a, a an illusion, but it's powerful. And that's how we do a lot of our combat in, in all, well, it's not a lot. It's how we do our combat in all of our movies that make the gravitas of the moment right right and the same because a lot of times when we see fighting in real time it's happening so fast right. and so subtle that we don't even know what's happening and then it's over and so we as an audience can't necessarily see the process that's why we stretch it out like we do in movies and, and in theater so it's the same thing we're just able to see it differently and magic i think is very similar like there are times where it is very subtle and it is very everyday mundane but it's still a big thing. Yeah. And then there's the bigger workings or the workings that we pre-plan and they have a tendency to be more showmanship, more showy, but there's, they can, that's where the oops, trap can be where they can also fall and fail miserably. Well, and I want to get back to you because you said something about like stretching it out, stretching the fight out. And this is, this is a concept with magic that I have just started sharing with other people, how I do magic in concert with the lunar cycle. So a lot of times when you hear about doing magic and using the power of the moon, you hear people like, well, you should do it on this phase of the moon. Like the full moon is better for this and the new moon is better for that. Right. Like you hear a lot of that. And But my concept about doing lunar magic is that I will start a working on the dark moon and work the entire month over the course of that on a specific goal using the energies of the different phases of the moon as I go along to add or sort of like layer mm-hmm. that that magic in there. So it's building up towards something. It's not showing up and immediately saying, okay, I want the thing, so make it so. It's preparing the stage for the thing to arrive so that's how I work that's my proactive working I guess is that I really plan it out and take my time so if I know I want to develop a new skill let's say I've decided I'd like to learn how to throw pottery right I wanted I want to develop a new skill I want to expand my skill set and my knowledge I'm going to start working that toward the full moon and the full moon is going to culminate and be the conclusion, the climax of that magical working for me. Mm -hmm. Just the opposite. If I want to get rid of a bad habit, I'll start on the full moon. And as the moon wanes, diminish it, see Mm -hmm. it chipping away at the habit. And that's how I've been practicing proactively. And it's only like a little tidbit of what's available for proactive magic but for me, it was the natural place to start because I am traditionally trained. Working with lunar magic is one of the first things that we learn. 
Mm-hmm. Um, but I decided to expound upon it. Like, it's not enough for me to just show up and do, like, I'm going to do my cleansing and consecrations on the full moon. That's not enough for me. That power is potent. I'm using it for something big, big, right? It's not to say that I don't just go out and consecrate stuff on a full moon on a whim because, oh, I didn't really have anything planned. I didn't have anything cooking I needed to do. We totally did that the other night. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, it's it's peak moon time. Uh, Be right back. Yeah, and it wasn't Went on the porch, blah, 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 blah. and the next thing we know, it came back. We're like, okay, we're done. Wasn't a big production. Oh, by the way, did you put that candle out? I did. Okay, <laughs> I was on it. That's a good thing. Um, but stretching it out can really help you add more potency to it. You'll see a lot of stuff when people are teaching, like the law of attraction online. That they'll give you assignments to like get up every day and like write this thing down and put it on your mirror and repeat this mantra every day with lots of emotion before you go out the door, like visualize yourself having X, Y, Z. And, um, but what they're teaching you is to stretch it out. Repetition and discipline. Keep coming back to it. Keep coming back to it. Keep getting in the space where it's real. And that's a very effective technique. And I do not always have the discipline for that kind of thing. Goddess, no. I don't. <laughs> I have the discipline to get in my 20 to 30 minutes of meditation every day. And don't get me wrong. It's not necessarily I get up in the morning and spend 30 minutes sitting on a cushion in my living room chanting to myself with incense burning. Sometimes it's I spend half an hour in the car alone chanting my face off. Trying to get in the flow. And I, because I know that when I'm driving, I'm kind of already in a trance state. So I'm just taking advantage of the circumstances. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's not necessarily that like I have a big, uh, like daily agenda where I, you know, I meditate from six until six thirty AM and then I go for a run and blah, blah. I would love for my life to be that way, but I'm not there yet. I'm working on it. You guys, I'll, I'll let you know how it goes, <laughs> <laughs> but I'm never going to be get up at six o'clock in the morning person. I just want to put that out there right now. I am a night owl. And if you try and call me before 10 o'clock in the morning, you are probably going to face a demon. Mm-hmm. So I'm the same way. I, I <laughs> manifested for myself a life where if I have to really get up much earlier than 10 o'clock, but I really don't want to go to bed much earlier than three. Yep. That's kind of my, that's my circadian rhythm and I'm sticking to it. So in essence, you know, kind of what we're talking about today is there's no one way to do this stuff right. No. There are certainly lots of, um, opportunities for you to increase your discipline and increase your skill set and make some decisions but it's all about being an active participant it's all about having yourself be consciously aware of what you're doing and then just making sure that when you're unconsciously doing things that it's in alignment with what your intention is what your ethics are and what you're trying to accomplish in the big picture of your magical life right and that you know, you're a magical creature when you're doing a spell and when you're grocery shopping at Cub, you know? So be mindful of the fact that it never really lets go of you. No. And so therefore, if that is true, if that is a true statement, you're also responsible for holding that up. Yeah, I think that maybe if you guys are are sort of like on the fence about like, being magic it might be fun for you to try homework yeah here's a little homework it might be fun for you to try just some small acts of magic 
And here's my suggestion. Start using flow to find yourself good parking spaces. Yes, Gladys. It's, it's a small, small act of magic, right? But you'll find once you start focusing your intention on, I need a juicy parking spot, that you start getting juicy parking spots. And it may be that you have to start out saying a chant or an incantation or a prayer to deity of your choice to help you find said juicy primo parking spot. Gladys, the all-purpose goddess, is <laughs> she is the queen. She sits in the mud, and she's a great crony, 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 crony. Both as a crony, as in a, a pal, but also she is a... Very practical. She's a very practical um, energy that I help myself manifest. And she takes care of those things, those little mundane things that that are so important that make all the difference because they happen way more frequently than a lot of things. She's yeah. she's my go-to for that. So here's, here's mine. And I think that my dear friend Fabrizio in Tuscany told me about this particular deity. And it's quite possible that he fabricated her, but she is real to me, and that is all that matters. I say this little incantation when I am looking for a juicy parking spot. Hail Squat, goddess of the lot, I need a juicy parking spot. And I kid you not, you guys, it works a majority of the time. Mm -hmm. The only time I, I have not had good luck with it is when I have someone else driving. I have difficulty getting that energy transferred over to somebody else driving the car. But give it a try, you guys. It's fun. <laughs> it's fun. And again, disclaimer, there, we are by no means stating that we have this shit in the bag and that we know all the answers oh and God, we no. have all the, <laughs> the perfections walked out in our own practice of magical creatures. Uh, no. Um, so... It's really about encouraging people to just start, just start. Yeah, take take a chance. You know, what, what's the worst that's going to happen? You're going to look a little foolish. I mean, that's life, right? We've all lived through embarrassing moments. We'll live through many more. Um, so you look a little weird. You feel a little funny. So what? But when it works, mm -hmm. then how do you look? Then how do you feel? Mm -hmm. That's a thing, right? And it's something worth trying. It doesn't hurt to try. It doesn't hurt to believe. You know, we need more Tinkerbells. Clap your hands. Believe in fairies. It's okay. <laughs> Speaking of fairies and messages from the big head, you oh. got a transmission right before we started this day. Do you want to share that? Um. Okay. Yeah, you guys, this is weird. Um. I don't know who needs to hear this message, but... Here goes, okay? Mm -hmm. um, so, what happens for me is sometimes I will wake up out of a dead sleep and there will just be information in my brain that was not there when I went to sleep. I don't know if it comes while I'm dreaming. I don't know if it comes while I'm unconscious. I'm sure it's somewhere between theta and gamma state um, when my brain, uh, the frequency is low and slow so that the messages can get in. But here is the message that I got uh, yesterday morning. So your central seed, the core of you, you essentially, is an energy body. Okay, I think we, if you're here listening to this, you probably are like, well, yeah, duh, obviously. 
Okay, so when you think about an energy body, for me, like the first thing that comes to mind is a star. Like a star is an energetic body. And that's probably because of some, a very detailed message I got from Source years ago on a healing table that I had to write a whole story about it. Um, but there's something about your soul, your seed as a star, as an energy body. So if you think of your essential you, your energy body as a star, your consciousness as a star, we know that stars have mass, right? And that they generate nuclear energy and that they are in a constant battle with the pressure of gravity. So what happens with stars is they generate these nuclear explosions and stuff and that keeps the gravity from crushing them. But when they run out of that energy, what happens? Sometimes the star is big enough and has enough mass that it transforms through this process and it turns into something else entirely. Sometimes it turns into a white dwarf star, sometimes it turns into a red giant, and sometimes, sometimes, they turn into a black hole. Here's where things get weird for me. Um, if all stars have mass, then they all have a gravitational force of their own, which attracts other bodies that have mass to them. So if your soul has mass, it's attracting other souls to you. So Source said, yeah, that's exactly what happens. And I said, okay, so how do I fine tune or program my gravitational force to attract a specific kind of soul experience or um, another, another star to me? Like, how do I do that? And what Source said was, through the manipulation of dark matter. You guys, what is dark matter? Um, there's still a lot of, of questions about that in astrophysics, about whether or not dark matter even exists. And if it does exist, what is it? What's its purpose? But I do know this because Source told me so. Black holes and dark matter are the source of information about magic and our gateway to parallel dimensions. In order to utilize magic, understand that you are manipulating dark matter which is the stuff in between other things it's the connection you're manipulating the connection you are a spider pulling on the web to get what you want and i think too when we look at um was out on ben's site before we did this uh recording at suspiciousobserver.com with um, the O of observer being a zero. Um, and the the piece today that he was talking about is how they've dug into this slime mold mm -hmm. and how it looks when it's making its way around and it looks like nerve tissue, which also is what dark threads look like at the cosmic level, mm -hmm. you know, cosmology level which is also how our brain stems look. <laughs> so there's this repeated pattern at right. the like fungal level deep in our ice. So this is when they've been looking at the slime mold way, way deep down in the ice flows, right? And it's this creepy yellow looking 
finger, many fingered crawling, like it looks like nerves. It's just freaky. And then you look at the cosmology aspect of the, the, at the, at the cellular level, as well as just like the conductivity and how energy flows. And, and it's like a lightning. Yeah. It's like lightning patterns. And then that's the same thing. That's, you know, how our brains are made up of in the, the neural style, the, the, the nerve stem and how it fingers out into your brain and how it fingers out in your body. These all have the same pattern of imagery when we look at it. They're, they're all the similar things. So how do we not look at that at all these different places and see this similar pattern and not know that that's how magic flows? It's just stupid, obvious to me. Yeah, the mathematics of the universe is amazing and it's so repetitive. It's like it puts it in front of our faces over and over again. Like, look, do you not see that this is the same thing? Well, yeah, and same thing with the, the golden mean and the Fibonacci sequence and the spiral and the Nautilus. And it's just like, ah, oh, I could just lose myself down the rabbit hole of all the things. That's a very powerful message because I think with what we've talked about before, about what we suspect to be true, that a lot of this transdimensional activity is starting to pop open <laughs> through portals. And I mean, if you're harnessing a wormhole like they did in the Avengers <laughs> and making the, you know, Rosen whatever bridge to go dimensional hopping, huh, we can't even handle what the fuck's going on with our own, you know, planet and the, bo the illusionary borders that we have up between ourselves to say, you get to be here and you get to be here and you don't get to be here. What's it going to be like when we have a whole other, you know, trans-dimensional visits coming through? I mean, ah. Oh, I it think just, it's necessary. I, I think I, it's necessary. I believe it's a catalyst. I believe that it's going to throw things in like complete total fucking chaos. And I'm like, ah, oh, interesting time to be alive. Will we see it in our lifetime? Probably. <laughs> What do you mean, will we? <laughs> so in 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 all that, leaving with the big, huge, like, voice from the big head that Source shared with Tangie, and you can believe it or not believe it, it'll either sing in your bones or it won't sing in your bones, and either way is fine. Yeah, it's fine. You guys, like, sometimes when you hear the truth, you're just not ready for it, and uh, and you reject it, but it starts working on you. Yep. It'll show up. And, you know, I don't, I don't pretend that, like, I know what any of this means. I do not study astrophysics. I, I know fuck all about black holes and wormholes and event horizon. I, I, I only know stuff I've learned from watching sci-fi movies. That's it. And to wake up and have this information in my head and then find out that the day before we discovered a black hole had just opened up. And I was told, yeah, well, black holes spew out information. Somebody's getting it. Somebody else out there, please corroborate what I'm getting. Please. <laughs> and it could have showed up in the dream time, too. Because I'm not crazy. I'm not crazy. I'm you're not, not crazy. crazy. <laughs> you're not crazy. But, but that's, that's the thing, isn't it? Yeah. It, I mean, and that's the magical life. I mean, that's the life I choose to live in, where I mix a reality that says my bestie can get a download from the, the source saying, hey, guess what? Black holes spit out a whole bunch of information. And if you're paying attention, you can be receptive to it. And hey, maybe, just maybe, um, that'll help save us. Oh, I do hope so. You know? So, but speaking of, you know, the like, we, we can, we'll probably have more conversations about this, but 
We do have to wrap up today's show and we want to make sure that you know some of the things that we're doing. Um, we're super appreciative of any feedback and comments you have. You can reach us at Spiritual Frequency Hosts, that's H-O-S-T-S as in angelic, at gmail.com. Um, you can comment on our Facey Space page at the Spiritual Frequency. You also have the opportunity to uh, reach out to us by leaving a message if you want us to do a particular topic. But um, Tanju's got her ongoing introduction to witchcraft uh, that's happening at the She Shed um, every last Sunday of the month. So the next class will be March 29th from 7 to 9 p.m. And it is a cost of $20 per session. And how can they get their money to you? Um, if you want to find me, it's uh, Ms. Tanji Cassidy dot Padia, it's P like Peter, O, D like David, I, A, dot com. And that will give you access to all of my classes. You can register to come in person. Content will be available on video for people who uh, need to do some distance learning. Um, I'm really excited about rolling that stuff out onto the website. But if you're not sure, just find me on Facebook. I am the Grown-Ass Witch. Right. And we're also going to be both presenting at Paganicon, which is a spirit alternative spiritual conference. That happens in Minneapolis every spring equinoxy time. Yay! So we were going to be at Paganicon, which you can check out at paganicon.org. And that's P is in Paul, A G A N I C O N is in Nancy.org. Paganicon. And there's lots of really cool peeps going to be there. Music. Uh, speakers, pres presentate pre presenters from all over. You guys, it's super exciting. And us being a building full of heathens and witches and wizards. Oh right. my! Usually, we, we hope, despite all this nonsense with us having to fight off viruses and stuff with a sword, um, we it's probably about nine hundred plus people that come to that. So I'm going to be teaching my finding your voice, the alchemical power of of uh, singing. That's going to be Friday at nine a.m. Um, my other immortal sister, Miss Annie Zimbel, is going to be teaching Illuminating the Shadow, um, the Journeys of Healing Through Art. That's going to be at 1 o'clock on Friday. Tangie is teaching on Saturday at 1 p.m., um, Intuition in the Age of Information Overload. That's going to be awesome. I will be teaching Saturday at 2.45 nearby, um, How to Not Suck at Art which is using intentional creativity as a magical practice. Spoiler, you guys, you don't suck at art. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, and then Tandy will be doing another class at 4.30 that day on taking your spiritual business online. And uh, the registration information is at the website. I believe the hotel is booked, but it's it's you're in Plymouth, Minnesota, so if you're in the Twin Cities area, you can... Yeah, you're within driving distance. Within driving distance. If not, there's plenty of other hotels around. So, yep. And... Um, you can also check out the She Shed at thesheshed.com. That's S is in Sam, I-D-H-E, shed.com. Or find us at Facebook because we've got lots of things going on. We're starting our yoga class with Miss Sarah tonight. I am We're super so excited. excited to get yogied. Yes. <laughs> and uh, we have a healing event happening Saturday, March 14th from noon until 6, where we have uh, Tani uh, Wolf is going to be doing uh, network spinal analysis. She'll be doing a free half hour assessment. She's a, a doctor of chiropractic, but also does this amazing network spinal analysis that has saved many of our asses, literally. Um, Pam Strasberg is gonna be doing cranial sacral work and Angela Head Vincent will be doing emotional freedom technique or tapping. 
that's going to be amazing. And um, I'm going to be doing Sonic Healing from 4 to 6. Um, everybody else will be noon to 4. And there are 15-minute sessions for $30 unless otherwise noted, such as Tani's Freeness. And you can come check us out at the She Shed, 713 Minnehaha Avenue East in St. Paul in the Ham's Brewery Complex, Suite 320. Lots of stuff. Yeah, that was a lot of information. That's a lot of information. We will have all of that posted with our podcast. And, um, you know, we got about nine minutes left. Well, you know what? We don't necessarily have to let go the full 90 minutes because a lot can happen. You can get a lot of information simply by turning into the spiritual frequency. See you next week.